0: Welcome to the City Collective Podcast. We believe we are better together and exist to create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. We hope that you encounter the heart of God and are challenged and inspired in your relationship with Christ. And it's all framed around that central line here on earth as it is in heaven. Be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer of adoration. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer of intercession. Give us this day our daily bread on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer of need, of request. Forgive us on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer of confession. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us on earth as it is in heaven. This prayer against the reality of spiritual warfare in our world. These are prayers all intertwined within it based on the central piece of the Sermon on the Mount. So do you see how the Lord's prayer can be a springboard into multiple avenues of prayer? Because at the heart of this model We are meant to believe this. And maybe this is the one thing you need to take from this morning. We are meant to believe that God desires to have heaven come to earth. To have the realities and the truths and the power and the possibility of heaven come into our very existence. This is what God desires for you and for me. And the other aspect of the prayer I want you to take note is just because prayer is often personal, it doesn't mean that it's always private. Many of us have grown up in a culture where rampant individualism has turn prayer into something that we only keep to ourselves. When we think about prayer, our imaginations of prayer are limited to like evening devotions on our own or the first thing we do in the morning. And as wonderful as moments of solitude are, prayer is meant to move us beyond that which we are doing on our own. If you notice, the tense in which it is talking, the Lord's prayer, is all communal. Us. It's not meant to simply be something we do on our own. It's meant to be something that is done together. And there are moments where we need to face, those, uh, the, the, face a corner, close our eyes, and commit ourselves in solitude and silence to be with God. But we are not meant to stay there. And thank goodness we're not left there. If we see prayer as only a private affair, I think we miss out. Prayer is both a personal and a communal practice. Something as simple as turning and praying with your neighbor has authority and power in it according to how Jesus presents the Lord's Prayer. Cyprian of Carthage, he's a third century North African bishop. He says, the Lord Christ did not want us to pray by ourselves in private or for ourselves alone. We do not say, my Father who art in heaven, nor give me this day my daily bread. It's not for oneself alone that each person asks to be forgiven, not to be led in temptation or be delivered from evil. Rather, we pray in public as a community and not for one individual, but for all. It's meant to be more than that. Because the Lord's Prayer, it does this so beautifully. It leads us away from ourself. And toward the Father. And the Father is where we begin this, this prayer. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. First of all, there's language in there that we're not particularly uh, familiar with. It's not something that we use on a day-to-day basis. I don't think you say that to anyone that you know, hallowed be your name. Maybe you do, and it's, uh, you're, you're holier than me, but I don't I don't really use that in my everyday language. So sometimes when we read this opening refrain, I think we can be pretty quick to glance over it. It just feels like uh, the opening of, of an email. Hope you're doing well. And then you get to the real stuff. And we treat it that way. But these 53 words from Jesus, every word has intention. And so I think there's three things that are communicated in this opening refrain that we're meant to pay attention to. This idea of adoration, this idea of intimacy, and this idea of hope. So first off, this idea of adoration, worship. Jesus is declaring that his father's name is holy And he's beginning this prayer with adoration and with praise and with worship. Often we list requests in our prayers with God. However, in the Lord's Prayer, we see that worship is where we're meant to begin. I I know for myself, when I'm dealing with a situation in my life, I'm so quick in my prayer to request it, to present it, to say I need help in it. And worship does not feel like the priority. Worship does not feel like the posture. Worship does not feel like the thing that I want to do. But prayer in our worship can be thought of as this adoration of who God is and what he's done for us. Jesus wants us to start there. However, it doesn't really happen in an organic manner. There needs to be this repetition of practice. There's there's something to prayers that come naturally bubbling out of us, birthed by the spirit, met by the by the fluidity and and the beauty of the spirit, but then there's also prayers that are meant to be grounded in scripture and in liturgy that give voice to the situations that we're in, in the circumstances that feel overwhelming. Have you ever been in a place where you've thought to myself, I can barely pray? I haven't prayed in the same way that I've prayed previously. The words that I'm saying don't even feel genuine. There's something to engaging with the scripture, engaging with liturgy and and historical prayers that gives language to the real-life situations that we we face on a day-to-day basis. And you'll notice that often these prayers lead us to this place of adoration and of worship first because they're framed in the same manner, they're modeled in the same way as the Lord's prayer, the way that Jesus interacted with the Father. George MacDonald in The Diary of an Old Soul he states, "We who would be born again indeed must wake our souls innumerable times a day and urge ourselves to life with holy greed." And this is what even King David says in Psalm 103, Psalm 103. "Praise the Lord, my soul," he says, commanding his own sluggish soul to wake up and worship. Let all my inmost being praise his name. Jesus is providing a prayer where worship is our lead. But the purpose is not simply because we need to say nice things about God to make God feel good about oneself. The purpose of worship being the lead is because our perspective needs to come second. When we put worship as our lead foot in the midst of our prayers, suddenly our prayers are put through the perspective of the one that we're choosing to worship. Because the only reason that prayer matters is because of the one to whom we pray. So it says, our Father who is in heaven... Dallas Willard in his Divine Conspiracy he talks about how in our culture we have come to think of heaven being something that's above and beyond us. But it also means something that's beneath us and alongside us. That we're surrounded by the heavens. So, so hear that prayer, that opening refrain a little bit differently perhaps. Our Father who is in heaven. For somebody who has been listening to this in the time of Jesus... Their minds wouldn't have only gone to the thought above, but it would have gone to the thought below and beside and around. Our Father who is everywhere and around us. God who is with us. God who is around us. Hear my prayer. This is the posture that Jesus is taking. Our Father in heaven can feel like a distant statement when in fact, I think Jesus is making an incredibly intimate one. When it comes to the language of Father, it can be overcome by a wide range experience of what we have on a day-to-day basis with our fathers here on earth. There there are many who face a challenge of how that word father invokes feeling and thought and, and previous experiences. Many have a difficult association with the word. It can invoke pain and discomfort and abandonment and frustration. And in many ways, because of that association, to pray the Lord's Prayer, our father feels like we are not even able to begin? How can I pray to one to whom I have already feeling, I already carry a feeling of abandonment? In our relationships, we constantly face the challenge of our associations shaping our opinion of something else. And Jesus, he recognizes this. He understands that his understanding of who the Father is, is perhaps different than the understanding that he has seen in the lives of those around him. In John 14 verse 9, Jesus says, Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That is to say... He's trying to push back against the associations of the word father that might be preventing someone from entering into commune with God. He's saying, The father is just like me. I've heard it said. From so many individuals, you know what, I have a lot of issues maybe with the church, or I don't like the idea of God, or the God of the Old Testament feels like someone that I don't think I could even get behind. But Jesus, I I, I really think, is a good guy. I think there's a lot of good that Jesus does and says. In many ways, I, I, I hear those words of Jesus saying, The Father is just like me in response to these natural feelings that we can have in our existences. Jesus saying, I hear the experiences that you have, the associations that you have. But the Father is just like me. The Father is good like me. He is powerful, but He is vulnerable. He is generous and He is kind. He is self-sacrificing and He is compassionate. And that is the Father that He knows and it's the Father that He wants us to know. Because when I know that about God, I am so much more inspired and drawn to be in intimate relationship with that father. He's inviting us to have more than a distant prayer that we use when we feel like it. He's inviting us to have intimate relationship with the creator of the universe. And his goal is often to, to heal, to reconcile, to correct our understanding of who God is of the Father and replace it with who Jesus is. So at this opening refrain, we see this idea of adoration. And then we see this idea of intimacy. This is the posture he wants us to have in our prayers. And then he comes to this place of hope. This word, hope was carried really interestingly within the people of Israel. Because for Israel to call God Father then was to actually hold on to the hope of of liberty. When you look at the story of Exodus and the people of Israel who were on this journey to salvation, to freedom, they were moving from this place of being called slaves to being called sons and daughters. And when Jesus tells his disciples to call creator God, to call Yahweh father, he's saying simultaneously that you are called sons and daughters. Your situations and your experiences might have said otherwise, but I want you to to declare with hope Every time you pray that I am a child of God. I want you to declare with confidence and with intention. Our father. That is to say your father and my father. Because we are children of God. And there is power in that. Simply from the place that I hold a greater hope for my life. When I recognize my state as a child of God. The Exodus was the advent of hope for those people and the coming of Jesus is the advent of hope for you and I, the hope of the coming of the kingdom of God. Our Father who is in heaven, the, the one who is like Jesus, who is everywhere around us, hallowed be your name. Hallowed, like I said, is not a word that we often use, but it means to reveal, manifest, make known. It's a, it's a refrain of honor, of glorification, of reverence. That is to say, our Father who is in heaven, reveal your character and make it known across the earth as it is in heaven. When we call God Father, we're called to step out. To to be part of what God is doing, and that's revealing and making known who he is. That he may be worshipped by all creation. That all of the cosmos may declare who he is. Adoration, intimacy, hope. This is the posture that Jesus wants his disciples to take when they begin to pray. Is that how you pray? Is that, is that how we're actually approaching these moments of prayer? I think sometimes our hearts find ourselves in the right moment and we can say it. And then there's many others where we do not feel intimacy with God. We do not feel like adoring his name. And we most definitely feel no hope. And yet he invites us to come to that place. Because sometimes to say it aloud, whether it's individually or in community, begins to birth some of these postures within our lives. Jesus is teaching us. This first line is the first statement because it places our attention on the right perspective. And Jesus is teaching us to begin by allowing God to be God. Father, all that you are in heaven, be that on earth. As I was praying over this week, thinking about these three words, adoration, hope, and intimacy. I I wonder for for us this morning if the ultimate discovery of prayer really is intimacy. If if prayer is communion with God, it's to to be in relationship with the presence of God. Prayer isn't about moving the hand of God. I think we've got wrong associations with that. Worship team, you can join me at the front. Uh, Prayer needs to be the process in which we expose ourselves before God rather than us trying to get God to conform himself to our wants it's about coming into union with God and here's the thing why why would i want to come into union with God Jesus is trying to reiterate over and over again in his ministry that to be in union with God is the best place to be. Look at the life that he lives and every moment that he goes through. He finds himself in union with the Father, in intimacy with the Father, not because it is just the right thing to do, but because it is the best place for him to be. It is the place where he is unconditionally loved, wholly seen, and led forward with purpose and mission that was beyond anything that we can do in our own working or humanity. And I wonder if we might begin today to live into our prayer lives with this ultimate discovery of intimacy. In, in, in this day and age, and I'm guilty of this as well, I think we, in, we approach our understanding of God with the desire to understand everything. Everything. But in this foundational prayer, in this Lord's Prayer, Jesus is not trying to reveal God perfectly. He's not trying to reveal God so that you and I can perfectly understand. But through himself, he lives a life. He provides teaching and ministry in such a way that we can perfectly trust in God. Trust is founded in a revelation of who God is, our adoration, hallowed be your name. Intimacy, entering into relationship requires trust and hope, I'm gonna trust that the day that I'm in is not as good as it gets. I'm going to trust that I can find hope that there is a God who declares that it would be here on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus is modeling in this prayer. And I think our biggest challenge in any kind of intimate relationship with the Father, the thing that is standing in our way is ourselves. I think this prayer provokes this question. Is your life oriented to Him or to yourself? I think this is why Jesus says you must die in order to live. Prayer is this beautiful struggle between self preservation. Jesus I I need all of these things I'm in a really difficult space I need you to provide this this posture of self preservation and it's the struggle with this idea of self denial your kingdom come your will be done here on earth not my will, not my needs, not my wants I surrender myself wholly prayer is in that tension of self preservation and self denial Prayer is often our tool towards self-preservation, but Jesus is saying that prayer actually needs to be the path to self-denial. Matthew 16, 24 to 26 says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Prayer begins with letting God be who God is with a space of adoration of hope and intimacy for us as we begin this season of prayer this whole next four months we'll be talking about elements of prayer it's not all one series don't, get me, don't, don't, don't worry we're not talking about one thing all, all fall but we're practicing it We're engaging in it. And I want you to ask this morning, what are the barriers in my life that prevent me from entering into intimacy and relationship with God in my prayer life? Is it the way that I perceive the word Father? Is it an experience that has created guards around my heart preventing me from letting God in? Is it apathy that has just seeped in and made prayer seem like a dull existence rather than the life-bearing gift that it is meant to be through the words of Jesus? Whatever it is, my invitation to you this morning is would you name it within your heart? Would you bring it to the forefront? And would we say as one church, what would you say to the spirit that wants to meet you where you're at, take it, I want to know you more. I want to be in relationship with the one who loves me unconditionally. I want you to experience that relationship as well. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? Our Father, the one who is like Jesus in all ways, who is in all things, above all things, Around all things, we give glory to your name, to the name that's above every other name. Do within us, within your church, within your people, within your city, as it is in heaven. Father, I ask this morning that our places of prayer would be re-energized and filled with new life. That we might come into a place of experiencing and encountering and engaging with your presence in a way that we've never done before not by our own strength, but by your grace. So Spirit of God, remove barriers in our hearts of pride, of apathy, of of pain and hurt. I pray that you would just meet us where we're at. our lives may we come to know who the father is in the same way that Jesus did in Jesus name I pray thank you for listening to today's message we hope it encouraged and blessed you in your walk with our lord jesus christ to keep up with city collective make sure to check us out on instagram and facebook at city collective church have a great week